Hey everybody, it's Emily here and Dr. Wiggy. Welcome to Healthy Discourse. We're going to do a quick practical episode today talking about um, the issues with pharmacies and finding a place that will fill prescriptions for any combination of early treatment drugs for COVID that you might be prescribed, especially when they seem to come in a package of several different um, drugs that a a lot of physicians are prescribing. And before we do that, though, before we jump in, I just wanted to tell you guys about some really encouraging things that are happening behind the scenes, because I think everybody needs encouragement. Um, A few weeks ago, I was connected with a very well-connected, high-level policy director, and uh, Wig and I met with her. And within a few days of that, she, I started working with her to connect with North Carolina physicians who stand for medical freedom, freedom of choice, um, consent, all of the things involved in, in freedom. And um, it's grown very quickly. Uh, we had a meeting on Monday of this week, and our numbers have nearly doubled just since then. And there is a lot of passion and energy behind the scenes within the medical community. Many of them are threatened with their jobs, with their licenses. They're having to, some of them wear N95s at all times while they're working. You know, it's a, it's a very tough thing right now, but they are very courageous and they're fighting for you. And I think that's something just to remember that as patients desiring informed consent, desiring choice, and wanting healthcare providers that are advocating that for you, they do exist. There's actually a lot of them. They might not be able to be outspoken right now, but we are connecting and networking and working hard behind the scenes to help drive that freedom of choice and consent as much as we possibly can. So just wanted to give that little bit of encouragement before we jump into today's topic. But Welcome, Wiggy, and tell us a little bit about what's happening, developments that are happening within the ability to um, not prescribe, but to get prescriptions for early COVID intervention to your patients. Right. So, yeah, let's start off with the challenge that we've been seeing with with getting prescriptions filled. Uh, and it has been one of the more frustrating things uh, that we've had to deal with here more recently, and probably over the last month or so, we really kind of have uh, been dealing with this more often. Uh, the biggest challenge that we get uh, is basically that we are sending prescriptions in for early treatment, uh, primarily ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the main one we're getting some some pushback on. So we're sending them to the to the major pharmacies, and what was happening is that uh, basically pharmacies were uh, pharmacists were refusing to fill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, nope, uh, it's not indicated for that, and we're not going to give you this this medication. Um, or they would call our office and say, okay, well, what is the indication? And when we said, you know, this is early treatment for COVID, then they say, well, no, that's, that's, we're not going to fill it for that for that patient. And so th- that brings up a lot of, I mean, that brings up a lot of emotions when we're, when we're having to deal with that. But that's the biggest, biggest challenge. And so when we came across some of this new information uh, from Dr. Pierre, Corey, mm-hmm. uh, with the FLCCC, I thought it was good for us to kind of talk about uh, some of the ways that we can navigate that mm-hmm. when we're getting some uh, some pushback uh, from the pharmacies, and uh, and actually some good news too is that there there are generally ways that we can still get it filled, uh, 
It just takes a little bit more effort. Right. And so our goal today is to equip you as consumers and patients um, who might be in a bind trying to figure out, okay, I finally got my prescription. So that is that is hurdle number one. And especially if you're having symptoms, you need those prescriptions filled right away. Yeah. So navigating how to quickly find uh, a place and to use certain tactics to help you make sure that you're getting served. Um, let's talk about what um, we're hearing. So I guess one of the major problems is when a, a patient will, will contact their pharmacy with their prescription or you contact them is to say, we don't carry, we don't have it. Mm. That's one thing that I know people are hearing. Yeah. Um, and what we're hearing from the FLCC is that we need to be asking about their suppliers and when is the last time that you checked with your supplier because it seems that while there was a short-term uh, limited supply from a wholesale standpoint because it is true while while this while ivermectin in particular has been suppressed significantly in the larger medical community i think more prescriptions were written for in mm -hmm. august than like ever before yeah, so that is on. that is happening yeah. Um, so a lot of physicians are prescribing, and, and so there was a short-term backlog, but those supply issues seem to be resolved on the larger scale at this point. So it's a good question to say, well, when is the last time you checked with your supplier? Right. And if they, if they say this morning, then probably they're not being truthful with you, and it's time to kind of take it to the next question. So, Well, yeah, so I would probably just... Uh, you know, share some good news is that there, there does not appear to be as much of an issue as getting it as there was. So for a mm -hmm. while there, I was really pretty nervous that we were basically, uh, there was no access for mm -hmm. ivermectin anywhere. So we had, you know, one compounding pharmacy that we worked with and then they ran out and then we went to another one and they ran out and they went to another one and they ran out. Mm -hmm. And so basically we're like, gosh, what, you know, what are we going to do? And so this, this issue was more pressing when there was really no pharmacies around that we work with directly that were again were willing to help right and so we had to start looking outside the box and i mean really i guess more looking in the box mm -hmm. for traditional pharmacists pharmacies that should be filling this and so but again the problem that we ran into is that it, there was so much so much pushback i wouldn't say that the biggest uh thing that was said was that they were out we definitely heard that mm -hmm. that they said it was out but it was an outright refusal mm -hmm. to fill a legitimate prescription mm -hmm. from a doctor for a reason. Right. And that part was the most frustrating part because there's really no reason for a pharmacist to refuse a prescription by a doctor, but that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I think there's different reasons for why that was happening. I think some of it's from, you know, some of the pharmacists were, were afraid, you mm -hmm. know, they're afraid from, uh, from, I guess not knowing uh, if they were supposed to or not. Right. I think there's probably some, you know, rumors from different uh, powers in their organizations that they're not supposed to do it. You mm -hmm. know, there's some kind of uh, there's maybe some threatens or some things that were threatened for them if they were to do it. I'm not sure. But then I also believe that there were some that really were just uh, somewhat prideful and I'd even say somewhat ignorant of the benefit of ivermectin. Mm -hmm. And so they were just like, no, this is, like I said, this is not used for this. Mm -hmm. And, and so then, and that's a, 
that part was the most frustrating part. Right. And we've talked about in our past episode on ivermectin in particular, um, off-label usage of medications and how prevalent that is. And so that's not necessarily something that should be pushed back by a pharmacist. But um, let's talk about if they, if your pharmacist tells you, I'm not allowed to fill the prescription. Mm-hmm. So this is some other um, really encouraging news, I would say, from um, Dr. Pierre Corey as well, because they're doing a lot of groundwork on this. Uh, his team is amazing. They've really been on the front lines of this from the beginning. And so if you're told that, there are other responses that you can share um, if they're refusing to do it. So the good news is, as far as we know, none of the big pharmacies nor none of the big grocery store pharmacies. So depending on where you live, those are all different. But so, for example, though, CVS, Walgreens, uh, Rite Aid, um, which Publix, Harris Teeter, all these. And I'm not we've not confirmed every last grocery store that there is by any means. But it seems like as a general rule of thumb, there is not a corporate policy against getting these prescriptions fulfilled. And there actually have been a few instances where people have complained on social media about a Walgreens pharmacy not fulfilling their prescription. And Walgreens has actually reached out to them to get information on that particular center and the pharmacist because that because they want to serve their patients and they don't have they, they don't have that policy in place. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like this is really happening on an individual pharmacy or center level, not from the corporate. There's no corporate policy saying don't fill ivermectin. And so if that's what you're being told, then that's likely untrue. And it's a good time to ask more questions. And if you don't feel that your questions are adequately answered, that's a good time to then say, could you please tell me your name and your far and your what is it? License your number. license number. Mm-hmm. Your license number because I need because you're not giving me the prescription or giving me a good way to get it, then I need to contact your corporate um I need to contact we'll say Walgreens again. Walgreens corporate with your information because you're refusing to fulfill my prescription. And it seems like when, of course, we want to always be respectful. We want to always be kind. I do. We understand completely that everybody has fear around this because there is so much um, suppression and there's so much, there's so many threats happening and that's real. So it's understandable that people are scared, but we do also, as a pharmacist, you have an obligation to fulfill these prescriptions, especially when it is encouraged by your corporate policy. And so that is just another way to help get those prescriptions filled when you're running into challenges with individual pharmacists. Well, I think it's also important to understand the laws of the state that you're in. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times we don't really understand what are pharmacists able to do and, and what are they not. Right. So the big picture here is that most pharmacists and most states, uh, they do not have the ability to refuse filling a prescription. There's only a few states, and actually North Carolina is kind of one of the kind of half states for this, where pharmacists, uh, we looked up the laws uh, kind of behind this, 
So in North Carolina, pharmacists can refuse a prescription, but it base it has to be based on a religious or a moral uh, reason. Mm-hmm. They have to feel really strongly for that. And so the, really the laws were established primarily for birth control mm-hmm. reasons, and they didn't feel they didn't feel comfortable from a, really a religious standpoint uh, giving birth control. But the the statute does say that if they refuse to fill a prescription for you, they have to point you in the right direction for where you can fill it. Mm-hmm. So it's a non-abandonment clause where they do have to again point you to where you can fill it. Right. So that's, you know, and this is where it comes down to, you know, how much do you want to fight? Because mm-hmm. uh, the good news is it does appear that most of the pharmacists, especially around here that we work with, they are getting more supply. Mm-hmm. So they are very, you know, very friendly. They are more than happy to help. And so it's, it's a lot easier just to say, well, all right, fine, I'll take my business elsewhere. I'll go to these other pharmacies, and and like and that's generally what most people are doing because, who really wants to fight with a pharmacist for right. you know an hour and call call corporate and then go back and especially if oh, you're not feeling good. Oh, but some people do. <laughs> well, and so I, I do think that there's a there's a time and a place to do that because mm-hmm. this is basically outside of the the scope of what they're supposed to do. Right. Because they're not supposed to refuse a prescription because they don't think the patient should take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not that's not what the law says. So I do think it's important to understand what they are capable of doing, what they're not. So, you know, again, how much do you want to push back? Of course, we do say you know do this respectfully and and humbly, but it's it, it is frustrating because people need this medication mm-hmm. and they're sick. Right. They're sick. They need to take this medication right away. They don't need to take it tomorrow or the next day or have to fight with somebody to get it. They need it right away. And so to have somebody refuse to give that to a patient, I mean, that's just infuriating for me because I see how well it works. Right. And it does matter when you when, start it. Yes. You start it as quickly as you possibly can. And the sooner someone starts it, the better outcomes that they have. So, you know, again, we haven't really been uh, been fighting with pharmacists. We're just been saying, okay, we'll send it over to here. And, mm-hmm. and fortunately for us, we've always, we've had good connections with pharmacists. That we've had, but we have had to expand our circle, mm-hmm. you know, so we were Which using Which has been this... a great thing, actually. Yeah, it has. We've well, been connected with pharmacists all over the state now that right. are willing to help. They'll drop it. Yep. They'll ship it for next day. I mean... They... So we, we prefer to use local sources. Right. We prefer to send it to our local pharmacies here. But yeah, we've had to start sending it to uh, Cary. We've had to start sending it to uh, Charlotte area just because they still were, they still had some supply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's, that is one of the, I, th- I would say, encouraging things for this is that... There are plenty of pharmacies and there's plenty of pharmacists that are more than happy to help. Right. And in some ways, it's kind of getting back to that, you know, small town yeah, the local. pharmacy, local pharmacy. Yeah. I know these people. Right. I want to help them. That's one thing I was going to say that I think is important to share is if you are having trouble with the grocery store or the big pharmacy um, and you're trying to find a place, call the locally owned ph- pharmacies. I know that. Wiggy and the other doctors that we're working alongside that are all over the state even, but that they are generally having better success with locally owned, um, independently owned pharmacies and compounding pharmacies. So that's a a great place to start when you're feeling overwhelmed, especially if you're trying to help a family member or or something like that. So yeah, that's good advice. So yeah, so how much do you want to fight you because you can you I think you'll be able to get the prescription really wherever you go, depending on how high up the ladder you want to go. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're not feeling good or when your your spouse is not feeling good, you just want that prescription now. 
So I would say this best and it's probably easiest just to go to one of these local pharmacies, especially compounding pharmacies there. Uh, they've been great uh, mm -hmm. to work with and they will they'll take good care of you. But I also think there is a, there is a time again to to stand up. Right. And to say it's And this some is of not it okay. again, it depends on your personality. It depends yeah. on, you know, are you trying to take this prophylactically and that kind of thing? And that might be a better time to push back a little bit. Again, respectfully yeah. speaking to people that are making difficult decisions and understanding the place that they're coming from and that this is a challenging time for everybody. Um, but also, you know, it are knowing the laws and knowing a person's scope of practice and that kind of thing and knowing what your rights are as a patient and as a citizen are important to be able to uh, push back on on all the things that happen in the public square that don't make sense. So it is our, our, our job as responsible citizens to understand what is and responsible consumers to understand what is going on and number one yes where we can take our business but also if someone is not serving the way that they're supposed to then that's something that we can challenge as well it certainly happens in medicine all the time oh for sure <laughs> so yeah we want this this episode to be a little bit more encouraging because it you know when we were dealing with this this crunch when we were we weren't able to get prescriptions it was really frustrating. It was really um, challenging, and we were scrambling, mm -hmm. uh, trying to find it. And it did feel like there was this big effort to not allow it to be prescribed. That mm -hmm. there was this, there was a suppression to it, and the and the access was being limited. But I do believe that the the good news is it doesn't appear like that's happening. Mm -hmm. So we are getting more access to it again. It appeared that there was a short time crunch. Uh, to it, but now that it's it's a lot more available and it's and it's easier it's easier to get. The other thing that's encouraging is that you know Emily touched on this is that there's been a huge push, mm -hmm. and uh, Dr. Corey called it Farmageddon, which was pretty pretty <laughs> uh, accurate. Where there's been such a negative uh, media push on ivermectin, you know how dangerous it is, right. how it should only be used for horses, and how you know, almost ridiculing anyone that would even consider it. So there's sure. a huge push yes. for that. You've seen it all over the major news uh, centers, social media, everything is being and, pushed. And what, what we refer to as the ABC organizations, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, huge push against ivermectin. And this is contrary to what the evidence and what the science is telling us. But the good news is people are still waking up. And I would say doctors are waking up and I would say pharmacists are waking up because the number of prescriptions are not going down, they continue to go up, mm -hmm. which means that doctor, more doctors are willing to write it, more pharmacists are willing to fill it, and patients are seeing that it works. Right. And that's the thing. If you have a loved one that was sick that took ivermectin and got better quickly after taking it, you're going to be like, all right, that, that probably worked. Yeah. You know, and, and if there were a lot of problems coming from ivermectin, we would mm -hmm. hear about that everywhere. Right. If it was, you know, having side effects and everything and people were having a bad outcomes, that would be all over. Mm -hmm. Well, and they, they're trying to say that there was, but that's all, that's really been debunked. Right. Yes. Point. That was the Rolling Stone article. And it has been actually that, that particular hospital itself where they said some emergency room doctor, just if you haven't seen this, said that they were overrun with people that had overdosed on ivermectin and of course that made the hospital look bad too because right. it's like what is happening so 
the hospital actually reached out and said, no, this is not correct and gave them appropriate numbers and that kind of thing. Like this is ivermectin overdoses have caused zero backlog in our emergency room's ability to serve our patients. We can talk about that another day. With right. <laughs> I'd love to have some of our emergency physicians come sure. on and share about their experiences. But um, it's not it, – it, they they did retract – or not retract. Yeah, basically. They, they semi-apologized, yeah. but without apologizing for that article. So, um, And that was really the only current – Mm-hmm. negative article about what's actually happening within the medical system right. about this. But it's funny how that works, right? There's, I mean, even if it's completely false, mm-hmm. if they get it out there fast enough and it goes viral enough, people will have that kind of thought in their head, oh, this is a dangerous mm-hmm. medication. And we've been having a fight for weeks trying to share the the information that that's, that's right. completely false. Well, and I would encourage if you've, if you've got questions and you're like, I just don't know what to believe about this. Like, I feel like I can trust Wiggy and his practice and what he's telling us, but I'm really not sure. Reach out to anybody you know that might have taken it. I mean, I have people reach out to me on a daily basis to say, even whether or not they are patients with Wiggy's practice or they, I mean, they live all over the United States to say, I'm so grateful that I took this medication. I was better in two days. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I had it yeah. and had access to it. And that's, you know, we we need more people to have access to it and be aware of of the benefits that's and good. how it's helping. Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, this, this is speaking more directly to doctors, if anyone's listening to this, that, you know, that's probably the best way to see if it works or not is to try it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, that it is super safe. Right. You know, we know we know the safety data on this. It's it's a really safe medication, and once you start prescribing it for people that are sick, that are dealing with COVID, and if you haven't been prescribing it up to this point, you've seen how your how your outcomes are. Try it. Mm-hmm. Try it on some patients. Say, okay, this is early treatment. Uh, you know, let's let's just give this a try. Let's let's see how you do, mm-hmm. and then they do well, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well maybe that was a fluke, but right. let's try it again. Okay, let's try someone else sick. Uh, we'll get them on ivermectin. Let's see how they do. They do well again, and that's what. And so for me, I said I feel so strongly about this because I've seen it firsthand right. so many times. Right, and it's well and it's it not just you. You know, all of these doctors that are you know the frontline doctors, the I can't even remember the free COVID care people. There's, and I mean we're talking about tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. at this point when you add them all together. More than that, but some of them each. I think the. One, they had like 63,000 patients or something mm. like that. Wow. And the outcomes are phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, and it, so it's, it's hard to argue with that. And when you see it working and these are people that are doing it every day, um, let's just make sure that we're not listening to, we're not taking medical advice from the mainstream media, yeah. essentially. And I mean, honestly, too, I would say... Ask your doctor. Ask your doctor about it. Sure. And they might say, no, it's not FDA approved. And again, if you're one of those people that is like, would like to reach out to corporate and want to, I mean, keep asking questions. Say, okay, well, but what do you think about this? Okay. Or that's actually a little more complicated Mm -hmm. because we are hearing from corporate people. And that's true. People 
that there is a corporate policy mm-hmm. for different healthcare organizations that they can't use ivermectin. Right. And that their job is at risk. Yes. If they do that. So, you know, and so that actually is a little bit, that's one step back because that's mm-hmm. where you actually get the prescription from. But if there is that pressure from them, right. then it's going to be harder. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, it's okay to, to question and I think it, it's actually better to educate. So bringing information in, uh, showing some information about the, the data and the research, if you are so inclined, that will get people to to uh, to think. Right. But then I'd also I would also try to you know speak to their emotional level mm-hmm. to be like, look, I'm I'm sick. Mm-hmm. I the research shows it shows right. that this will help. Can we just try it? Well, and and that's true. However, what you mentioned earlier is important to point out that. Even within an ICU when people are very sick and desperate family members are asking for ivermectin because they're, it, of course, the earlier the better, but there is mm-hmm. some evidence that sometimes sure. it helps regardless of the stage. I mean, not regardless, but even when people get quite sick yeah. and are in the hospital. And the answer that family members continue to get is, I, we are not allowed to prescribe it. It's been right. banned by our CEO. Right. That's the answer. Over and over again. And that's just, again, something to kind of chew on to think about, okay, it has this safety profile. It has these things. What we're doing right now isn't working. My family member is getting sicker, and that's the, the what we're being told. Now, another encouraging thing, there is a lawyer, and I want to say he's in Indiana, and I, I'm sorry I can't remember his name right now, but he's working with people all over the United States on this alone to go before courts while people are in the hospital sick to be able to get some of these treatment options that they're being denied to their loved ones who are sometimes on their deathbed. And he's and every time he's won, that person, I think he's only had two, that they weren't able to get these medications too fast enough. But I think almost everyone has ended up walking out of that hospital that he's won. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we need to fight at all levels, but the focus really needs to be on early treatment. Absolutely. And it needs to be on outpatient treatment and primary care. Yeah. That's where, I mean, those, we are really the, the front lines of this. Yes, emergency room, definitely front lines, you know, ICU for sure. But that's like second and third level care. Mm-hmm. If you treat it early as an outpatient and you're aggressive as an outpatient treatment, they shouldn't be going to the emergency room. Right. They shouldn't be going to the ICU. And so I, I think this this is a call for primary care doctors to step up, yep. to step up and, and treat this mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, the, it's we can't be reactive on this. Right. We can't be reactive. We can't say, you know, come back if you stop breathing, mm-hmm. you know, which is unfortunately what a lot of people are being told is right. that if, if your respiratory capacity goes down so much that you can't breathe, then then come back and we'll then we'll admit mm-hmm. you. Which is completely backwards, right? You know, we got to keep them from keep them from coming back. Yes, and so early, treat early treatment is pivotal. Yes, and and you know, I think also, especially depending on your health risks, um, a lot of people, a lot of doctors are saying, like, even if you think you have a cold coming on, like, you know, it's a good time to really consider either starting treatment or getting tested, or or because it does seem like the viral load of the Delta variant is making more people more sick. And so the earlier you can start treatment, the better. Um, And so some people are even just trying to be prepared, knowing that they are at risk 
Some people are taking ivermectin prophylactically and some people are just having it on hand. And that's a decision to be made between you and the doctor who you're able to find to treat you. But And the other good thing, it's a good thing Friday, right, yeah. um, is that there do seem to be more places that have less backlog. Um, you know, American Frontline Doctors was doing so much and had like mm. a 10-day backlog for a while. There are other sites popping up and other True. groups that are beginning to be able to serve more people. So if you can't find a in-person, per, you're a, a primary care physician to help you, then do know that there are options and they do seem to be growing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Well, thank you guys for joining us. It's always a pleasure. I just, I cannot tell you, I really wish that everybody could have been a fly on the wall uh, when we had our first meeting with these uh, courageous physicians on Monday night from all different specialties from all across our state, bringing their personal experiences together. And there really was a thread of commonality among all of it. The same couple of primary issues that we're working to tackle as best we can at, from the highest level that we possibly can. And so know that that is happening. You are not alone Wiggy is not alone. We've known that, but it's it's expanding daily and mm-hmm. there are there are lots of people in the medical community that really want to fight for your rights and your treatment and that is really encouraging. So, can't wait to catch up with y'all next time. Thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.